Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Paul Feig, and you're listening to Fascination Street Podcast. This podcast is always good, never evil. I believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This is a third appearance. The inimitable Paul Feig joins us for a third time. The first time he was on is when we did the whole get to know you thing and what's his history and how did he get to where he is. So if you didn't catch the first one, go back and check that one out. The second one was also a blast. We talked about a film that he had coming out back then. And this time we have him on to talk about his film, which came out last week on October 19th on Netflix called The School for Good and Evil. It's the new fantasy film based on the young adult book series of the same name, School for Good and Evil, written by Saman Chinani, and it is on Netflix right now. It came out last week, October 19th. It is fantastical, star-studded. You are going to love this. I had a chance to watch it with my wife. We both adored this film. The acting is superb. The actors, you're going to freak out when you see all the people that are in this film. The soundtrack is amazing. We do talk a lot about the soundtrack, and we talk about some of the actors that are in this film and where he got them, and uh, we talk about all of that. We also talk about Paul's gin. It is a London dry gin called Artingstalls, which is available in various places. You can go to artingstallsgin.com to find out where and if it's anywhere near you. Plus, he has a cocktail book coming out next month whose genesis was all of the dance and bartending videos he put on Instagram Live during the COVID quarantine. As always... Paul is so much fun to talk to. I can't believe I got to talk to him three times on the show. He's a super good dude. You're going to love this film. Again, it's on Netflix right now. It came out last week. It's called The School for Good and Evil. And this is my third conversation with the lovely, talented, and very well-dressed Paul Feig. Welcome back to Fascination Street Podcast, Paul Feig. This is the third time, man. What's up? Three's the charm, Steve. What's up, my friend? That's what it said on my wedding cake. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, no. What? <laughs> what are you, Big Lou? Oh, how dare you? I'm just Steve. <laughs> no, that's some, some dumb commercial that they always played on Sirius XM. Some Big Lou. He's on wife number three. So that's the reference. What a thing to advertise. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I give up. <laughs> so, Paul, the first time you were on, uh, we talked about, I don't know, how cool you are and some things. <laughs> and it was kind of your backstory. And that's where yes. we really got to know Paul. So if you guys didn't catch the first one, go back and check that one out because we're not going to do that this time. That's right. I'm still cool. I'm still cool. Oh, definitely. Totally oh, God. Cool. <laughs> so far from cool. Oh, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Uh... So. Previously, we talked about your film, A Simple Favor, which mm -hmm. my wife and I watched that at least one time every year. We love that movie so much. <laughs> oh, we own you. it. Obviously, I own the soundtrack on vinyl. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, even better than that, I mailed it to you and you mm -hmm. autographed it. Yes. And you drew a martini on it. <laughs> yes. I Do you did. remember this part? <laughs> oh, yes. I Because it didn't look like a martini. Let's just say. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it didn't look like a twist inside right. the martini. So you went ahead and explained. Uh, it's not a turd. That's a twist. <laughs> it's not a turd. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we love that movie. It is one of our favorite oh. movies. No bullshit. It is amazing. <laughs> and then I think the last time you were on, we talked about your follow-up to that, which was called Last Christmas, mm -hmm. which took a long time to get made because some things happened and some people died and music rights and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it did happen. That movie, we invite people over to watch that movie. Really? We love it, dude. You make great movies. Oh, oh, thank you, Steve. I took a lot of heat from the critics on that one. So I'm, I'm a little like flinchy when somebody brings it up. I'm like, oh, are they going to be mean to me? It's like, oh, because I love it. I'm very proud of it. But, you know. What is there to, I don't even care. Like, I can't. I, you know, I give up. I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure out why people hate stuff. You didn't set out to make a Western. <laughs> no. You didn't set out to make an Academy Award winning film, I don't think. No, definitely not. <laughs> it did what it set out to do. I, I can't imagine yeah. anybody going into that movie with higher expectations than it was. It was fantastic. We love it. Yeah. It's sweet. Thank you, Steve. You've made my day. You are welcome. So <laughs> when I told my wife, that you had this new film coming out called The School for Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, sweetheart, do you want to sneak peek and watch it with me real quick? And she said, I will watch anything Paul Feig does for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. Aww. He's never made anything that I didn't enjoy. Oh, that's so sweet. So we really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Phew. <laughs> and we hated it. Oh, no. And what happened? it was the worst thing we've ever seen. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about that movie a little bit later. Streetwalkers, again, it's called The School for Good and Evil. It's a new film available on Netflix on October 19th, mm -hmm. which was last Wednesday. So go check that out. It is based on a popular book series, also called The School for Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. I believe it was written by Saman Chinani. Mm -hmm. Correct. I hope I said that right. Yeah. It's a young adult series for, I'm guessing, the same basic age group as the Hunger Games and the Percy Jackson movies, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. YA, it's called. YA. Thank you. Young adult. Young adult. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later, and we're going to have so many questions about that movie. Mm-hmm. That film. Uh, yeah, please. How dare you? But first. That flick. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh, but see. first, uh, how was your COVID, buddy? COVID. Oh, it's great. It's funny. If you didn't get it for like two years and you're like, I'm one of these people that's never going to get it, then you get it. And it's like, oh man, shoot. But I was at a wedding that it's one of these things where as you're at something, you're going like, I think I'm going to get COVID tonight. <laughs> like, you, you know, after two years of staying away from people and masking and just being really good about trying not to breathe in around all this, then people, then you're in a really tight quarters and you're talking to a bunch of people and you literally feel their breath on the back of your throat. And you're like, Okay, well, this is not going to work. Or to me, it was almost like, well, let's see, this is the ultimate test. If I get through this, then I'm completely immune to COVID. But then I got it. It was four really terrible days. But then you go like, oh, at least I've got antibodies, I assume. So, and I can say I did it. Well, that was a fantastic answer. But what I really meant was, how was your COVID quarantine time? <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> That's not half as exciting as my actually getting it. <laughs> I disagree because during COVID, you did like dance videos <laughs> and bartending videos all on Instagram yeah. live. Yes. Why did you do that? What inspired that? It was my public service, if you will. No, because, you know, we were shooting my show, Welcome to Flatch. We we're actually shooting the pilot for Welcome to Flatch in, in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. The shows were shutting down left and right, obviously, because they should be. And we were we were the last show that was still up and running. There was one other one in Wilmington, and they shut down the morning that we started shooting our show. And so I was like, should we be doing this? There was, oh, it was fine. And you know, we were outside shooting a lot of stuff. But then, like, halfway through the day, we had a scene in a little tiny room. And I freaked out and I'm just like, oh, we got to shut down. So we shut down, flew back to L.A. And I remember going like, OK, we're going to be down for a while. I mean, at the time you thought, is it two weeks and months? I don't know what it is, but it's like, well, I want to help out somehow, but I'm not a medical professional. I can't you know, offer medical advice. But what I can do is try to help entertain people because that's what I do, you know, and I can try to raise money for first responders and you know, whatever money was needed at that time. And so I, I always have collected old cocktail books 
and have a gin that I've been making that we can talk about later. Oh, we're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so I have my gin. Oh, and I was just like, well, uh, maybe I'll just like start making cocktails. I'll get them pull out these, but I'm going to, it started with, oh, I'm going to show people how to make a martini. And I was like, oh, I can show people, you know, how to make drinks, but then thought, okay, let's just, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to do this every single day for a hundred days, weekends and everything that I wanted to give people, you know, who know me or whatever, follow me something to look forward to or avoid every day at the same time. So, you know, make it five o'clock because, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere for drinks and just did that. And it just went for a hundred days and it, it made me sane. You know, it really helped me have a thing to do each day to get, you know, put on a suit and tie and just have fun. And, and but then I learned mixology, you know, by going into my old, my old cocktail books and pulling up recipes. And then every day was a different charity and um, then they started dancing <laughs> the dancing was completely uh <laughs> it did, i did the very first one and i put on this xavier kugat song that i love called one mint julep and just sort of danced into the video and then it just became a thing <laughs> an embarrassing thing well i loved it thank you i think that for a creative person such as yourself it must have been agonizing to not be able to do the thing that you do every yeah. day, all day. Yeah. So I think that was a great way to sort of scratch that itch. Yeah, it was fun. And for all of us who are used to going and seeing things or doing things or interacting with people, I think it was a, a fun way for us to also get to scratch, you know, our own itch in watching those things. Plus, we got to learn some things. Yeah. You got to learn what a, what a lush I am is what you got to learn. And what a bad dancer. <laughs> what a bad dancer. But... There you go. <laughs> Do you have a favorite of all of those cocktails that you made on those videos? Well, Martin, I'm a martini man. Is there a specific martini? And I'm asking for a reason. Well, the Duke's martini. Wrong. Wrong. Incorrect. Uh-oh. You're wrong. That's not your favorite one. <laughs> no, my favorite is just an Arctic Stalls martini uh, up dry with a twist. Very dry. That's a close second. Uh-oh. Here you go. Uh, Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Paul Feig's Quarantini. Oh, yes. The Quarantini. Yes. So everybody listening, that is three ounces of a London dry gin, preferably mm -hmm. Arting Stalls. Thank you. One ounce of dry cold sake, mm -hmm. one ounce of Cointreau, a yes. dash of orange bitters, an orange peel twist to garnish, blah, blah, blah. Shake all the things, brush the lip with the thing, and enjoy responsibly. Yep. You're here. Thank you. You are welcome. As soon as I saw that, I just kept watching the video over and over again so I could write down the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well, you know, I have a cocktail book coming out next month, so uh, well, it's in there. You would be a fool if you didn't, and <laughs> I'm super excited about that. Thank you. Where is it coming out? Everywhere? Everywhere, yeah. On uh, November 15th, coming from Will William Morrow and the good folks uh, over there. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it. it. It's a fun book. <laughs> you know, it's all the recipes from the show, you know, and a lot of them, you know, they're... Uh, a lot. I, I I created about, I think, 20 original drinks myself. But then I also got recipes of, of friends of mine, famous friends of mine, like Charlize Theron and Carrie Washington and Jenna Fisher. And I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Michelle Yeoh gave me um, their favorite recipes. So those are in there, too. And then lots of advice on how, how to throw cocktail parties. It's my guide to coming out of the pandemic. You know, we're not officially out of it, but we, you know, we're crawling out of it. The president says we're out of it. Well, there you go. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with, look, I live in London now where you, you don't see a mask to save your life. So they just, they act like it's completely gone, whether it is or not. You know, when the, when the Spanish flu went away, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, that's what spawned the roaring twenties. Like people came out and just went nuts with parties. So I'm, I'm like big on like cocktail parties. So it's all about how to, how to do that. And then lots of really stupid, embarrassing stories for my life. Love it. With the drinks. Yes. Barbara Sinatra, Frank's fourth and final wife, released a book of similar tone. It's uh, recipes and entertaining and stories and things like that. Oh, I have it. Nice. It's quite entertaining, but not half as entertaining as I'm sure your book will be. What's it called? Thank you. It's called Cocktail Time, The Ultimate Guide to Grown-Up Fun. Oh, my God. I can't wait. And that comes out in November next month? November 15th. Yeah. Perfect Christmas gift. It is a perfect Christmas gift. For the boozer in your life. After COVID quarantine, everybody's a boozer. <laughs> We're all boozers now. I'm telling. Is it going to be available uh, like a, an actual hardcover, like a real actual dead tree book? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's filled with pictures of me making cocktails at Duke's Bar in London, at Claridge's Bar, the Fumar Bar at Claridge's, uh, Mark's Club there, and then at the Polo Bar here in New York, and also at Il Tonello, my favorite Italian restaurant in New York. So um, all kinds of pictures of me Check you <laughs> making out. drinks. I know. Look at that. If I could guess, I'm going to say that this book is nicely appointed and very detailed, probably some, yes. maybe even some gilding going on there. And I'm yeah, only saying yeah. this because, A, I've seen how you dress. <laughs> I know your jam, your aesthetic, mm -hmm. but mostly because of, and let's talk about it, Arningstall's Gin. Yes. London Dry Gin. Arningstall's. Yes. The last time we talked, I think it had just come out, like just barely. It wasn't, it was barely available anywhere. Yeah. The packaging and the, again, appointments of that gin, everything that I've seen online, because I can't find it anywhere. You mean this? <laughs> I'm I holding up a bottle that. right now. <laughs> it comes in a gorgeous box and there's all these things. Why do you make it so pretty? Like mm. if I were to get that bottle and I drank it all, I can't throw that bottle away. That's gorgeous. Yeah, that is the downside. Like literally my house is filled with a gazillion empty uh, Arding Souls bottles now. Yeah, because I you really part out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, leave it in. No, because I just, it's my favorite thing to drink. And when people come over, I pour it for them. But I, it's really hard to throw it into the recycling bin because it is so nice. So, um, you know, I give the bottles away to people and stuff like that. But what is in the future coming is we're going to do like refill bags. So you actually can, you know, have this, you know, biodegradable bag that you can refill the decanter with and not have to keep getting rid of the bottles. Are you really going to do that? Yeah, we are. We are. We've been, we talked about it last year. I was just like, it's it just feeling of like, look, you recycle it clearly, but I just don't want it that big of a carbon footprint. If you, if you will. Well, I think that's genius. And I don't think enough people do that. Well, nobody in the alcohol world does that as far as I know, except Franzia. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. The Franzia gin box. That's our new uh, thing. Nice. So, as I mentioned, it's quite hard to find in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Well, Texas is one of the states that were on trial. It sounds, it sounds like I've been arrested. We're, we're in trial, uh, you know, whatever, with Southern Glacier uh, has us out. So, we are at places in Texas. I'm just not sure where. I'll just call Glazer and ask him. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just I'll say, hey, bro. Yeah. Where's my arting stalls? Where's my arting stalls, Jen? Exactly. Because I know we're in we're in Florida. We're all over Florida right now. We're going all over California very soon. But you can order it online. Go to artingstallsgin.com and it will tell you where you can get it online and most of the places that we're carried too. So um that's your resource. But hopefully we're gonna be everywhere soon. Come and get it. Find us. Paul Fee, Arting Stalls Jen on trial in Texas. On Yes, exactly. <laughs> Will they survive? Will they serve? <laughs> Before we talk about the film, which we're about to right now, I do want to say some things that I noticed about your film directing career of late. Yes. You seem to carry people over with you. Here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. It's only recently, I think. Once you got that terrible Melissa McCarthy out of your films, <laughs> this is when that started. <laughs> I'm just kidding, everybody. I love her. She's amazing. Of course. You directed a film called A Simple Favor. Mm -hmm. In that film, you cast a almost undiscovered Henry Golding. Yes. You took Henry Golding to your next film, which was called Last Christmas. Mm -hmm. In Last Christmas, there was a phenomenal actress named Michelle Yell. Mm -hmm. You took her to your newest film, The School for Good and Evil. Yes. Why do you take all those people with you on these trips? And also, <laughs> you got my phone number, bro. <laughs> there you go. See, you got to get in there. Yeah, I love them. I, you know, when I work with people Obviously. that I, yeah, that I have a great time with and that I'm, you know, really fond of on top of their talent, I just want to keep working with them. But you know, everybody I work with is great. And I would pull everybody with me if I could, but it's all about the story and what the story needs. So I kind of never go into something going like, oh, I'm going to bring this person with me. I'm just like, oh, I, I hope I can work with them again. And then like, you know, like with Henry, when I read Last Christmas, you know, this is before Crazy Rich Asians came out. So I had just worked with him and told them, but they're like, oh, we, we don't know who that is. And it's like, okay, but he's perfect for this. Oh, yeah, but there's all these other stars and they go through these names. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, that person, maybe, maybe buying time until Crazy Rich Asians was going to open. And I knew opening weekend is going to go through the roof and then they're going to want him. And that's exactly what happened. It's like, oh, you can get him. It's like, yeah, I think I know the guy. <laughs> you know, and then with Michelle Yeoh, I met 
Michelle through Henry when we were shooting a simple favor in Toronto because she was in Toronto shooting Star Trek. And I've been a Michelle Yeoh fanatic because I'm a Hong Kong action film fanatic for decades. And I was just like, oh, can I can meet Michelle Yeoh? Does she exist? Like, I didn't think she was a real person. You know, <laughs> she's so fantastic, otherworldly. The minute I met her, she was like the nicest, most fun person I ever met. We just became fast friends and the friendship has never ended. And I knew how funny she was. Like, she's really funny in real life. And so that's when, you know, I read the last Christmas. I was like, oh, this would be a funny role for Michelle. And then going into this one, it was just like, I love Michelle so much. It's like, you know, we were talking and she's like, is there anything I can do in it? It's like, if you, you, would you do something in this? Then she, there she was. And she had to fly to Belfast and quarantine for 10 days, which I, you know, this is like, man, you are a rock star for doing that when you're as cool and famous as you are. And she's going to win the Oscar this year for everything, everywhere. Take it from me right here, friends. That's your hot tip. Oh, fantastic. I'm placing money on that right now. Do it. I'm glad that you uh, you answered a question before I even got to ask it. Oh. I'll read it him here. <laughs> Is Michelle Yeoh a real person? Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> there I you go. That. See, exactly. I, I wasn't sure. She's too awesome to be real, but she is somehow irreal. Whenever she's on the screen in any movie I've seen, she is a standout. She comes off the screen. Yeah. Both in her acting and in just the way she carries herself. Oh, and yeah. also she's gorgeous. Yeah. But she's exactly. a great actress. Make more things with her. Yeah. Done. Permission grant. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Permission accepted? Oh, okay. Something like that. <laughs> Advice given. How's that? I don't Yeah, sure. I'll take it. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every so often, a very lucky candidate from the outside is selected for admission to this hallowed institution. It's happening. This is it. This is real. We've been expecting you. The School for Good and Evil, where the true story behind every great fairy tale begins. The School for Good trains the heroes. The School for Evil, the villains. You're trying to tell me that Snow White and Cinderella and Jack and the Beanstalk were real? Our graduates live the very real events, which become the stories. change the world is there a world that i can chase with you this is all i've ever wanted aggie i can't settle for an ordinary life not as it seems the universe we knew but we don't belong here oh dear you must be lost that is an understatement future heroes and villains for you to admit which side you're on. I'm tired of being pathetic, little Sophie. You can be more than you ever dreamed you could be. You'll not just be the fairest of them all. You'll be the strongest. The rules at this school must be obeyed. Evil is here. We have to protect Sophie. If Sophie becomes evil, none of us will survive. I'm your best friend. Evil is controlling you. I like the new me. I thought fairies were supposed to be nice. <laughs> Let's get back into it. All right. So, The School for Good and Evil, 
the new film available on Netflix last Wednesday, October mm -hmm. 19th. Like I said earlier, it's based on a popular, very, very popular young adult book series mm -hmm. of the same name by Saman Chinani. Mm -hmm. I have so many questions. Yes. First of all, <laughs> yes. The very first title card, as I'm watching it, it says <laughs> FCO. Yes. It used to say FIGCO. Yes. What happened? The Writers Guild has a clause that basically you can't have your name on the front of a movie if you are the sole writer of it. <laughs> so we had to change it to FCO. When we did a movie that I produced called Someone Great, a movie by Jen Robinson, who has her new movie out called uh, Do Revenge, which is great, too. But they wouldn't let me even have my title card up front to say it was a Feig co-production because my name Feig was in the thing. So there you go. What exactly does the guild do for you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, you know, God bless them. It's a great guild, but uh, that's one rule. I'm kind of like, yeah, hey, really, guys. So, yeah, so we had to change it to FCO, or I couldn't have my logo on the front. I was just like, yeah, all right. So now we're FCO. Okay, great. Well, thank you for settling that. I was so confused. I was like, I swear it used to say FCO. What a great name for a company, too, FCO. That's right. Good Lord. E -F -F Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so in this film, you have just about every famous person that has ever been oh, i love that both of the lead actresses are named sophia in real life that yeah. cracks me up i love that <laughs> i know you have Charlize theron you have the affirmation michelle yo mm -hmm. you've got lawrence fishburne mm -hmm. patty lapone is in this thing. yes yes who was also in last christmas <laughs> remember Patty lapone was in last christmas she was the woman buying the two baby jesuses who couldn't decide which one to buy that's Patty LaFont. Oh, LaFone. <laughs> my gosh. Yep. There you go. That is, oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> How many times have I seen that? I breezed right past her. I'm sorry, Patty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you don't already know who Patty Lapone is, she's a multiple Tony Award winner for her mm. work on Broadway. She's been in so many things. Most recently, she was on Broadway in Company. Yep. And won the Tony. Just won the Tony. For that? Yeah. For the supporting actor. Yeah. Previous guest of the show, Mark David Levine. He's a producer on company. So way to go, Mark. Congrats. Yeah. But also she made the news because during that run, she sort of stopped the performance and told somebody who wasn't wearing a mask to go ahead and get the F out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure she was a blast to work with and I'm not being sarcastic at all. She's one of my best friends. I did a pilot with her for HBO back in like 2000. 12 i think it was that didn't go it was a great pilot it was it was her sarah silverman and topher grace written by bruce eric kaplan Whoa. how did that not get picked up yeah it's, it's awesome but somehow it didn't but i stayed friends with patty and then you know yeah now she's been in my last two movies and we go on vacation with her literally that is so cool oh she's the best she's the best okay so this looks like one of the most expensive movies ever made <laughs> <laughs> the sets are phenomenal the action only makes me assume that there was 250 million stunt people and coordinators <laughs> yeah. the costumery and set design are chef's kiss and <laughs> the special effects i know it's ghost so we don't really talk about numbers but holy shit how much did this movie cost <laughs> i don't know if i'm a... yeah don't 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 i'm not a, i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say or not don't, but don't, it, don't. It's, it's not as much as you think it would cost but it's right around the most expensive movie i've ever made what's the most expensive ghostbusters yeah i, I think they're tied i will dare say i yeah. think ghostbusters is probably for the cast though right it cast old producing deals, yeah, rights deals, right, all that. Exactly. It, it, you know, it didn't all end up on the screen. This is all on the screen. Old Ghostbusters, new yeah, Ghostbusters. All yeah, I got together. My next question, I guess, since this was, and, and you can see the money on the screen, this was a very well-made, expensive-looking mm -hmm. film. Was this always planned to be a Netflix film? Yeah, it was sent to me by Netflix, but it was originally in development at Universal for a number of years, because uh, the book came out, I think, in 2013, and mm -hmm. the Roche-Kurth company got it. They optioned it to Universal. Scott Stuber was at Universal at the time. It was a real pet project of his. They were developing it for a while, but it's it's a real tough one to develop. The book is massive. It's got tons of stuff in it. And then when Scott went over to Netflix, he took it with him because it had fallen out of option. And then they were, were developed a little bit more. And then it got sent to me. And I fell in love with the script and saw what I wanted to do to change it and, you know, and hopefully make it even better. Then worked closely with Soman, the author, 
but it was always supposed to be a Netflix movie when it when I was aware of it. Got you. This next question might seem a little harsh, but please know that I love you very much. Oh, here it comes. I know that at least your perception was that you got a little bit of a slap on your hand when you made a big budget Ghostbusters movie. Mm-hmm. What did it feel like when you got the call and somebody was going to give you a whole lot of money to do such a huge project again? <laughs> uh, that's a great question, actually, because I was really happy. Look, I love making Simple Favor and Last Christmas, but, you know, they're smaller movies production wise. And the year right before I took this one on, I was going like, oh, you know, I really miss working with artists and designers and costumers and making big things like that was just so much fun to have like conceptual art and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I wonder if anybody would ever let me make one. I was like, um, I don't know, maybe Ghostbusters soured people on that. So, yeah, when this came in, my producing partner, Laura Fisher, came in with it. And she's like, you know, is that Netflix since it's over? They want you to, to do it. And she was a fantasy movie. I'm like, I don't know, fantasy is not quite my genre. And she's like, yeah, but just read it. And so I read it. It was like, oh, my God, I, I, just really, I loved it. I loved the story of these two young women and, and just what it said about good and evil and all that stuff. So then it was like, oh, man. So, wait, this actually can be the one I've been looking for. Cause I, even beyond Ghostbusters where you're building new stuff, I get to build a whole new world from the ground up. And that was just like my head exploded of like, Oh my God, they'll let me do it. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, I was, I was on it, man. Now you did say just now that fantasy wasn't really your genre, mm. but I seem to remember in a previous episode of fascination street podcast, mm -hmm. you said that you like to try out different genres just to see if you can. Totally. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to work my way through every genre in, in moviedom. But yeah, there's some that are higher on your list. And like fantasy was definitely not at the top of my list. Just because the fantasy movies I've seen, you know, I, they're enjoyable, but I've never I've always kind of gone, like, mm, you know, as a kid, I read fantasy books. I mean, not necessarily Lord of the Rings, but there's other ones. There was like this series called uh, Thomas the Unbeliever. It was the uh, Lord Fowl's Bane. I remember that was the name of the first book. And I just thought it was so cool. And it's got orcs and all that kind of stuff, you know, so I thought that was really cool. But then I'd see fantasy films and go like, mm, I don't know. But you know, all my movies are kind of reactions to movies I've seen that I've felt like, oh, I could do a version of that. I don't know if I could do it better, but I could do my version of that. And that would be really fun. This is the longest production I've ever been involved with, you know, two and a half years from nose to tail. And yeah, it was I just had the greatest time. It took two and a half years to make this film with your involvement. Well, yeah, I mean, it basically, you know, I read it right before the pandemic started. Oh, man, you should have saved it. You had a whole lot of free time during the pandemic. <laughs> I know. Well, exactly. I know. You know, and so I came on to it and then we were, you know, kind of getting ready, prepping. And so we kind of, but we were supposed to start shooting in, in September of 2020, which I had concerns was going to be too tight a little bit because there's a lot to develop, uh, both, you know, visually and script wise. But then when the lockdown happened, it obviously it pushed everything. So then we were just, we were developing this all through the lockdown. I mean, that was what I was doing during, during my day before I would go and do my cocktail and, and get drunk at night. So that, and then by the time we started shooting in the spring, early spring of 21, and then, you know, we've only literally just finished the movie like you know two weeks ago you know they finally had to like tear it out of my hands because i you know kept futzing with stuff your baby's never finished never finished they just take it away from you it's interesting that it took two and a half years and the movie's almost two and a half hours long holy moly <laughs> <laughs> there you go see you get well it's 215 without the end credits wait, so wait who doesn't I, watch that how dare them you know, I would just like to say I put a lot of time and energy into my end credits um, because I hate when a movie like the main credit, the main on ends, if you will, the stars and the main department heads are done. And there's always something cool to look at. And then it just goes to that white letters on black roller, which you, nobody watches because, of course, you don't want to, you know, you should just see the people that made the movie. But you're like, OK, well, I'm going to sit here and watch, you know, watch letters going up and down. So ever since the movie's the heat, I've made sure with my this great title company I work with every time. Shout out to Plucky is their name. And we always come up with some thing you can watch all the way to the end with great music playing and fun graphics going on and all that just so you can sit and appreciate and watch the names of all the people that worked on the movie i think that it is super disrespectful to not at least watch their names because it doesn't matter how many people or what their job was everybody worked really hard to make that piece of art that you just sat through yeah. and enjoyed oh, totally. usually yeah the literally the least you can do is watch their name roll across the screen 
Yeah. And, and you'd be amazed. Like it premieres. I'll even go like premiere. Like everybody, please stay. There's, you know, for the credits, blah, blah, blah. like half the theater, man, the minute, the end, they are up and out of there. You run into the party and you're just like, guys, yeah, like, you know, people whose names are up there. A lot of them are in the audience right now. Like pretend you can sit there for another few minutes and enjoy them. That's on you. You should make the party not start until after the credits. Well, I should just lock the doors in a Carrie-esque uh, situation. I can't wait for that movie <laughs> of you on trial. In it's Texas. called End Credits, the horror movie. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's it. Okay, I'm going to write that there we down go. and pitch that to you next time. But it's a short movie. It's only you know, <laughs> five to eight minutes long. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Steve, what did your wife think of the film? It's funny that you asked because she said, if he happens to ask, (laughs) it was fantastical, star-studded, visually stunning, and the story was captivating with never a lull. Ah, yay. I love that. And also, she really loved the soundtrack. Mm. And I said, if I know my man, Paul... (laughs) He had a huge hand in what went on that soundtrack. Oh, I guarantee it. I, I you know, it's a director that nothing gets past me that's not approved by me or, or you know something I've been involved with. First of all, thank you. What's your wife's name? Her name is Sean. Sean, thank you, Sean. God bless you for that. You know, music to me is the most important, one of the most important aspects of it. Tell it to a simple favor. Yeah, well, hello. Thank you. I know. It starts with my composer, uh, Teddy Shapiro, the most one of the most talented composers in all of movie dumb, I would dare say, who's better get an Academy Award for something soon because he's amazing. My deal with him starting with Spy is the first movie we did together and we've done ever, everything since is I want to come up with a theme. You, know, you, you have to start composing while we're in prep basically you know so we'll kind of come up with the, like the theme for the song like even as like seven or eight notes kind of thing and just like okay that and then we just start building from there so he's composing all through production and i'm cutting with his music it's not composed to the actual picture but he does these almost like sweets he calls them where you know then we can cherry pick and kind of piece it together so i'm never putting temp music from other movies on my movie because that's a big problem that happens in the editing room and people do it all the time they use soundtracks from other movies so then by the time it's you bring a composer on you're so in love with all the other temp music that's as a director it's impossible to kind of hear past that and you have time you're like can we just license that it's like no you don't want somebody else's soundtrack so there's that but then the reason i bring that up for the soundtrack is you know because soundtrack that score and soundtrack is songs on there you know we put some modern songs in like billy ellish and olivia rodrigo and the subways sam Ryder. is there some britney in there did i hear toxic well yeah but that's not britney it's a group called two-way the number two and then wei that do these epic versions of popular songs and this blew my mind when i heard it is my my music supervisor paul chandler found it and he was cutting some stuff to it and i was like what is that and it was going to be a little bit of that big battle scene we have at the end and then it's just like make it the whole thing and it just i'm so proud of that because it just works so well that's one of those moments you go like oh my god like picture and and soundtrack just kind of come together in unity You should be proud of it. Thank you. Obviously, Last Christmas had an amazing soundtrack because of of the theme of the movie. Mm -hmm. A Simple Favor had a phenomenal soundtrack. I told you I own the vinyl. And I think you picked all that out, I'm sure, with your buddy. What's his name? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's his name? Uh, That was disrespectful. Your composer? That was Teddy Shapiro, yeah. Well, and then and, and actually, Erica Weiss is my music editor on that and on these movies, too. And she works with Paul Taylor. Yeah. That fight scene? There couldn't have been a better underlying music band. <laughs> it was 100% perfect. Well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, well done to everybody involved. Kudos to Two Way for doing that. And then we found it. And it's like, oh my God. You, you can get it in Spotify. You can put it into Spotify, put Two Way into and you'll, you'll hear other stuff they did too. That's just, they're, they're amazing. They're so cool. And nobody had ever really heard that. So I was like, oh, good. Like we've got it and it's not out there all the time. I'm watching Britain's Got Talent. And somebody uses it in an acrobatics act. And I was like, oh, no, because all I could think is if it's out somewhere, now everything jump on it, and put it in everything. But fortunately, it seems to have gone under the radar. <laughs> now they can put it in whatever they want because it's in mind. First. That's right. They can do whatever they want to because it came out last Wednesday. There That's you right. go. Again, on Netflix, October 19th, last week, The School for Good and Evil. It stars all those people that we mentioned. And I didn't even say it, but Kate Blanchett is mm-hmm. the narrator holy yes. moly 
I know, exactly. You got everything. Man, you got a Rolodex like you read about. That's fantastic. <laughs> I do. My 60 years on this earth. I've amassed some very cool friends, I will say. Hey, this is a weird question that somebody asked me, and I said, well, I gave an answer, but let's see if I'm right. Mm. There is a director named Eric Feig. Well, he's a producer now. He he used to be, he ran uh, Lionsgate Films. And actually, he's the one who brought Simple Favor over to Lionsgate. Because uh, Simple Favor, I don't, did, did we talk about this? How it was originally at Fox? Originally, it was at Fox 2000. I had a producing deal at Fox. They sent the script to me to produce because they said, we don't know if this is a comedy or a drama. <laughs> and I read it and I loved it so much. I said, like, I want to make this movie. I want to direct this movie. We were all set, getting it all set up. Nine weeks out from production, they pulled out just for whatever reason. They just decided they didn't want to do it. And in a panic, we had a whole crew reserved and waiting in, in, in Toronto. And I was just like, oh, my God, this project and it's going away. Eric Feig uh, stepped up over at Lionsgate. Now he's got an independent producing deal uh, with a company called Picture Start. They were actually kind of related to we're distant cousins but never really knew each other. We met once just because like, hey, we're both Feigs. He's, he's a Feig, actually. He goes by Feig. But it's spelled the same, right? Same, yeah. It, it, technically, my name should be pronounced Feig. No. But my family, for some reason, called it, did it Feig, and I've just stuck with it to confuse everybody. Well, well done with the confusion. Thank you. So that was for you, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. You asked you if go. they were related, and I said no. So it turns out I'm wrong, but only a little. Right. <laughs> I think there's another. Well, there's another Eric Feig, Feig, I think, who's a lawyer too. There's a few of us out there. We were not many of us. Well, don't say anything bad about that guy. Boo boy, coming at you. <laughs> don't mess with a Feig. Or, or a lawyer. <laughs> a lawyer named Feig. Forget it. Then you really don't. There you go. Hey, Streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. So I ran into previous guest of this show, Chris Gronkowski, the other day, and it went a little something like this. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hey, you know what sucks? When I get done with my workout at the gym, my protein shake's not cold anymore, man. It's room temperature. <laughs> Weird. I haven't run into you at the gym lately. Busted. Okay, truth be told, I don't work out, but I do get thirsty after a long day of podcasting. I just can't seem to keep my cocktails cold. You should use an ice shaker. What's an ice shaker? The ice shaker is a double wall, vacuum insulated, stainless steel shaker bottle with a patented twist and agitator that breaks up the protein powders. So you're saying I should switch to an ice shaker, take out the agitator so I can fit more ice in the cup and it'll stay cold longer? Steve, you don't need more ice. The ice shaker is third party tested and verified to keep your drink cold for 30 plus hours. Chris, you're a genius. I'll still remove the patented screw and agitator and just add more booze. I guess technically you could, but if you actually use the ice shaker as a protein drink cup, the agitator breaks up the powder and doesn't bounce around like you're shaking a paint can. Why are we still talking? Let's party. Grog style! That's right, Streetwalkers. Ice shaker is made from kitchen-grade stainless steel so it doesn't smell all funky after you use it a couple of times like those cheap plastic ones. When I'm out and about doing interviews or partying Gronk style, I use the Fascination Street Podcast Edition 26-ounce Flex Ice Shaker Cup, and it keeps my drink cold until the sun comes up. You saw Ice Shaker on Shark Tank. All five sharks made an offer with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez closing the deal. Now you can get a deal too. Order your own 26-ounce Flex Cup right now at IceShaker.com and use the promo code F. SP for $5 off your first order. Once again, that's iceshaker.com, promo code FSP, as in Fascination Street Pod, for $5 off your first order. That's iceshaker.com, promo code FSP. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's get back into it. Paul, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you sitting down with me. I just have a couple of quick things. Please. 
And I don't remember what they were. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Paul, can you tell us what you're wearing? <laughs> How dare you? I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing a suit and tie. I'm wearing a Isaiah, who I'm actually friends with, the guy who makes these. John uh, Luca Isaiah. Exactly. You may see it all over the place, the stores, and you think it's Isaiah. It's not. It's Isaiah. And yeah, I'm wearing a, a, a suit from him, a, a beautiful uh, gray with green pinstripes, Neapolitan uh, double-breasted style suit. Nice. And the tie? Tie is an old Ralph Lauren black label tie that uh, I'm in New York right now. And I have a little place here in New York. And so I, I leave, you know, sort of the B team of clothes here. And so this is one of my B team ties, but I still love it. And I know you're not wearing one, but do you have a hat that goes with that ensemble? Not necessarily that goes with it, but I got a really good, I got a bunch of good hats here. My, my favorite hat that I have here, it's, it's mostly for colder weather. It's a Borsellino, which I love those Italian hats, but it's like a special edition that came in a, like a big carrying case with like a brush and all this stuff. And you can you know carry it with you and stuff, but it's a beautiful kind of, kind of like the term fedora, let's say more trilby, um, but it's got this kind of like faux fur band around it. It's just beautiful and it fits nice. Like a pimp from the seventies. Well, you know, kind of a high class, uh, high class Italian pimp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the packaging on that hat sounds like arting stalls yeah see it's all about the packaging i mean that what's in the package has to be great but then put it in a nice package yeah tell it to iphone yeah <laughs> there you go paul feig thank you so much for your time Thank you. Is there social media places we should send people? Uh, Instagram is probably the best place to follow me at Paul Feig, uh, P-A-U-L-F-E-I-G. I'm also on Twitter, but I go on Twitter, you know, <laughs> with one on kind of a flinchy face because I'm so used to getting my ass kicked on Twitter. by <laughs> the trolls, they're still out there. They're still out there. They still love to give me crap about Ghostbusters, even though Ghostbusters, I get more people come up to me every day and say how much they love Ghostbusters and it's their kid's favorite movie and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm done. I'm done being made to feel weird about Ghostbusters. It's over. It's over, trolls. I'm done. Yeah, you bunch of losers. Yeah. And also, how come all those trolls didn't catch COVID and not be on Twitter anymore? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> also, I believe there is social media related to the film. Oh, yeah. Those will be in the show notes as well as Paul's personal social yeah, media tags. Yeah. Paul, before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask you or we didn't talk about that you specifically wanted to talk about today? Did I miss anything? I can close the loop on what I was talking about with the soundtrack of The School for Good and Evil. There is a song that Teddy Shapiro, he wrote the music for it, sent it to me going like, what, what, you know, you want to help with this? So then I kind of wrote lyrics and and wrote the melody for the the verse and then he went on with another songwriter who's great and and she fleshed it out and changed the lyrics but it's the end credit song the song comes right in the end credits and we loved it so much that actually when you listen to the movie a lot of the score is based on that song so I just think it's really, and actually it, it's out now. We've, we've released it. There's a music video out for it. The two singers on it are uh, Kiana Lide and a cautious clay. And uh, it's one of my favorite things I've ever been involved with. You know, the other song that I was I'm so proud of that I was involved with was the song from spy. Who do you trust? Which should have gotten nominated for an Oscar. And I, I didn't write that song. I, I, that was Teddy Shapiro wrote that. And I think it's one of the best things I've ever been involved with. And we didn't even get considered for an Oscar. And then we lost to that. I'm going to say it. Boring. Sam Jones one from Spectre. I think it was. Was that the one? It was. There's a James Bond. Th I love James Bond themes, you know, but this one was all like, oh, this is kind of like vocal gymnastics. And I was just really mad because, I mean, Teddy Shapiro and, and uh, Ivy Levan, who sang that song, deserve Oscars. That's one of my favorite things. If you just go, it's on Spotify. Who do you trust from Ivy Levan on the spy soundtrack is one of the best songs. And now, now go listen to who do you think you are by Keanu Lee day and cautious clay from the <laughs> school for good and evil soundtrack. I feel like suddenly one of those FM DJs from the seventies who just talks endlessly in a low tone. So sorry, Steve. I love it. Johnny fever. Thank you. <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. I'm doing more of the FM, the, the end of the dial guy. Hey, <laughs>
Did I ruin your show? I just think I just ruined your show, Steve. Oh, brother. You can cut all that. You can cut all that out. (laughs) This is going to be a short show. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, Paul, I I know I said we were done, but I want to go back real quick. I named every famous person, not every, I named a bunch of famous people that were in this film, but I Mm. did not name both of the Sophias. Would you please tell me their names? Yes. uh, Sophia and Caruso plays Sophie in the movie. And then uh, Sophia Wiley plays Agatha. And they're two amazing young actors. I saw Sophia Ann Caruso on Broadway in Beetlejuice a number of years ago and thought she was so spectacular. I was like, I got to put her in something. And then when I read the script, it's like, that's the thing. And then Sophia Wiley is currently one of the stars of a high school musical, the TV series and uh, is amazing. And you can also follow her on TikTok where she's got 6 million followers and she does dance videos and she is hugely talented. Both of those ladies did such a great job. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss giving them shout shouts out, Excellent. shout outs, shouts, shouts out, shouts out. Yeah, sure. Why not? And then also, who is the kid? I guess you went back to 1986 and you got Donny Osmond. <laughs> oh, oh, Jamie Flatters. <laughs> Do you got a Donny thing going? Is he Prince Charming's kid or whatever? Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm sorry. Lancelot's kid. Tedros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Tedros. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that kid looks like young Donny Osmond. Really? Wow. Especially hmm. when he's wearing his what with his epaulets and all the oh things. yeah i was like oh my god that that really is donny uh, <laughs> i hope that he understands what a compliment that is <laughs> i was gonna say let, let's uh <laughs> let me find out from him whether he's insulted or not <laughs> and i love donny everybody loves donny well you know I, I did i you know i cut donny out of a movie once that i did yeah it sounds like you don't love him as much as you said you did i love him no i it was just such a weird gag we used him for that it just perplexed the audience (laughs) unaccompanied minors one of my bombs the wife and i saw that in the theater oh god bless you god bless you you're one of the few (laughs) trust me because i know the box office receipts on that no it was oh if you saw it it was basically you remember jessica uh harper is in the movie is the kind of the overbearing uh flight attendant who sides with the weird girl that our hero girl has to stay with (laughs) <laughs> this whole thing of kind of running thing that Jessica Harper's character was looking for like a pilot or, you know, to entrap or, you know, seduce. And so we had this gag at the very end with everybody's having a good time. And we cut over to Jessica Harper's hanging on Donny Osmond dressed as a pilot. And then the the little girl is on the other side of him, like hugging him. And they're like, oh, I forget what the line was. It's something like, oh, Captain Osmond, you're so wonderful or something. And he just looks at the camera like, oh, my God, what's happening? He was so sweet to come out because we were shooting in Salt Lake City. And it was just like, hey, Donnie wants to know if there's anything you do. And then but it just the, the test audiences were like, wait, why is Donnie Osmond <laughs> and what's happening? And so I felt horrible that I had to cut that out. So, Donnie, if you're listening, I love you, man. He is. He's a faithful. I have no idea. <laughs> Paul Feek, three times, my brother. Thank you again. There we go. So much you, for Steve. taking the time out of your busy and good and evil filled schedule to hang out and let us get to know you even more on Fascination Street, man. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. This podcast is always good, never evil. Love that you said that. Thanks, man. That was awesome. You bet. I appreciate you. I always appreciate you. If there's ever anything I can do for you. I mean that with every fiber of my being. Thank you, uh, reach out. You have all my stuff. I will do whatever I can for you, except act. I can't do that. <laughs> I could have been one of those dog face fools, though. Oh, yeah. We can put, <laughs> put you in that big dog suit. Exactly. Big uh, wolf suit. <laughs> those are real. Thank you so much, Paul. You have a great, great rest of your week. And uh, go break both of your legs on this film, dude. It's going to do gangbusters. Thank you. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I can't wait to see all the media that I'm going to tag onto. And let's get this thing going. Oh, man. thanks. I hope to God people watch it because yeah, you just don't know. But they, they I'm proud will. of They're going to love it. It's going to be the talk of the town. There you go. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you later and Bye-bye. say hi to Sean. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2001 album Intransigence, used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is from the song Say My Name off the 2021 album Underdog Anthems, used with permission from Jax Hollow. If you like the show, tell a friend. Subscribe and rate and review the show on iTunes and wherever else you download podcasts. 
don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. All the episodes are available there as well. Check me out on Vero at Fascination Street Pod and TikTok at Fascination Street Pod. And again, thanks for listening. <laughs>